Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. All right. Well, you excited to be back into the book of Mark? Yeah, that person is. I love it. Um, so we're jumping back into the book of Mark, and we're on a uh, journey that's going to take the better part of two years, just going verse by verse and uh, section by section, chapter by chapter, chapter, and just asking for God's word to speak to us. And it's been an incredible journey. We started this in February, and uh, right now we're closing out chapter four. And I believe God wants to speak to us today. This has been um, ever since Tuesday morning when I, when I prayed and opened up the, the, this passage and asked God, what do you want to say to us today to speak to the church? What do you want to speak to me? Uh, this has been so heavy on my heart. And heavy, uh, meaning actually an excited passion, not something I feel so much burdened or saddened by, but something I feel like God wants to speak to you all, and I believe there's just going to be a, an amazing healing that happens here, a lifting of, of burdens, a lifting of, uh, of bondage, of uh, feeling like uh, you're bound and feeling, feeling trapped even. And so uh, that's what I've been praying about, and that's what I want you to know is my expectations is that, is that something changes even from the Word of God, because I absolutely believe that there's power in the Word of God, that there is power in the community of just being here, and, that this, and then just showing up to church isn't just something you do it's just to make you feel better about yourself, but it's truly encountering God, and God truly does miracles. And, and so today we're talking about this idea that, and uh, uh, looking at this occurrence, that Jesus calms the storm. The disciples were with Jesus, and they encounter this storm, this physical, actual windstorm, not just a metaphorical storm in their life, but they were on the Sea of Galilee and experienced this windstorm. And so one thing that's a, a guarantee is that we will all go through storms. We will all go through hardship. It is a guarantee in life. They often say you're either going into a storm, you're either in the middle of one, or you're just leaving the storm. And it's just a, it's just a guarantee that we all have hardship. It's a guarantee that we'll all have pain, that we'll all have experienced disappointment, that we'll experience tragedy. And so there's no way to avoid it. And I think often as, as Christians, as Christ followers, we should be the best at understanding this. But what I see often is a lot of Christians being broken down by disappointment, that, that we're broken down by, by, by hardship. When, we, when we experience hardship, we don't know how to handle it, and our faith with God turns into fear. That's what happened with the disciples. Our faith turns into fear, and we don't understand why. Well, I want to tell you that there is the, the, the thesis of my talk today is very clear, that your storm has a purpose. That in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of everything you're going through, in the midst of the situation you look at and you say, man, I do not like this. I want to tell you that 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 pain, that storm that you're in has a purpose. And the overall purpose that I see throughout Scripture is that that the purpose through this is to understand God more. Is to have a deeper revelation of who that is. Is have a deeper intimacy with God. That after the end of the storm has passed, you say, I actually know God more. And I actually have more joy. I actually have more peace. I actually have more favor. I have more faith because I came out and walked out faith in the midst of it. And chose not to fear, but chose to trust in God. And so this example 
of Jesus calming the storms and the disciples freaking out has so much truth in it that I believe my expectations are going to be fulfilled. And my prayer is going to be answered today that chains are going to be lifted today and broken today and bondage is going to be broken today. And we're going to see God better. We're going to understand that God has a purpose in the midst of our hardship. And, and I believe that's going to be really freeing for us today because what we should really look at when we have a storm, if that's true, we should rejoice. Because James, who wrote to the scattered churches in the New Testament, actually said this bold statement. He said, you know what? When things get really, really hard, you should actually rejoice. And it's, it's one of the most contradictory statements that, that you at first look at and you say, why would you rejoice when things are awful? And he actually gives the reason right there is because what it produces inside of you. It's what it produces inside of you you cannot buy with money. Is that you can't get, attain any other way without going through hardship, without going through pain. There, that statement is true. There is no pain without, the, or there's no gain without pain. If you don't go through the process, you're not going to, to attain the growth in your life and the, your growth in your faith. And so if you're going through the storm, if you've been through one, and you kind of look back and you're like, man, that doesn't make any sense. I want to challenge you to look back and you see that there is a purpose, and that purpose is to draw you closer to Jesus and for you to understand who God is even more. So, so I want to look at this passage of Scripture. It's closing out uh, the chapter 4 of Mark's account of Jesus. And you should know that Jesus has been so incredibly busy that he's exhausted, and so he falls asleep in the midst of the storm, on the boat, and the storm is happening. And, uh, and so he's been doing miracle after miracle. He hasn't had an opportunity to rest. And uh, the windstorms were fairly common in the Sea of Galilee. I think we might have a picture. The Sea of Galilee isn't just some small sea. It's actually 64 square miles, which is about a third of the size of Lake Tahoe. So it wasn't uncommon to have these extreme windstorms pick up. And they were going from the west side to the east side, and that was the least, uh, the least populated side of, of the Sea of Galilee. They were going there to do ministry. And Jesus was extremely exhausted. And I want to open up and, uh, and ask a few questions as we go through this scripture. So starting in verse 35, this is what it says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And there were other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word. Open up our hearts and help us to see you clear in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, and the way I often look at Scripture and the way I encourage you to, to do is to approach Scripture is not to necessarily come in with your preconceived notions and try to help the Scripture fit with what you already have in mind. You know what I'm saying? And so what, the best way to approach Scripture is simply to ask questions. And so I want to start with a few questions 
going into this, and, and that's exactly how I prepare for message. That's how I do my personal devotions. Is I'll look at a passage and I'll literally write it out and say, and, and, and create a question, ask a question that's in the back of my head. Not necessarily I even know the answer, but, it, but it's so helpful to ask the question. The first question I want to ask is looking at these storms. How do they apply to our life? Are the storms internal or external? Because obviously there, there's these metaphorical storms. We're not necessarily talking about a physical storm you may be caught in. But are the circumstances internal or external? How do we apply this to our life? Does this mean that, you know, our, our external circumstances, we just have to speak to them and say, peace, be still. Like our kids are running around crazy and we just say, kids, peace, be still. I tried that one time, did not work. And so what, what I believe is, is more of what the application, more the correct application in this passage is not saying that Jesus wants to, to, to change your external circumstances as he is, is changing your internal circumstances, is calming the storm inside. I believe Jesus is way more concerned about calming the storms inside of you than he is calming the storms around you. I believe he's saying, no, I'm more concerned about your heart because I could change your external circumstances, but your heart still won't be in the same place. And so what I want to speak to, what Jesus wants to speak to you is to peace be still inside of you. So as we look at this passage, I want you to, to realize that Jesus may not change your external circumstances if you cry out in faith enough. He does. He does answer prayer, but his priority is your heart. His priority is your internal circumstances and your faith as he spoke to you. Why are you still fearing when you, when you can have faith? And so uh, the second question I ask is, how is Jesus asleep in the middle of a storm? That's a fair question, right? He was human, but how, how are you supposed to sleep when the, the wind is blowing and the waves are filling the boat? Number one, he was extremely exhausted. Maybe he didn't even sleep for 24 to 48 hours because of the constant ministry he was doing. But number two, I believe it's an example, and I believe it's something we should, we should uh, pray for, is that he had so much peace that he was able to sleep, that he had so much peace that God was in control, that his father knew what was best for him, that he knew that the waves weren't going to overtake them, that he, he knew that they weren't going to perish, that he was able to sleep through the storms. See, a lot of times our storms want to keep us up all night. But I believe that, that Jesus' model, that what I want to look at is, man, I could be going through the craziest storm, my external circumstances. I don't know how, to, how I'm going to pay the rent. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. My health is this. I have a family member that I'm, that I'm worried about. But I'm, but I'm able to say, you know what, I'm able to have peace, and I'm able to sleep through the storm. And so I believe when I look at that question, how was Jesus asleep in the storm, is he had that peace that Philippians 2 describes as that surpasses all our understanding. It doesn't even make sense. We cannot comprehend it. But we're able to have peace in the middle of the storm. And I believe God wants that for you. Now I'm going to ask one more question. Um, that's that's a very, very difficult to, a question to answer. And it's this. is It's does God cause the storms in our life? Does God cause the storms? Are those external circumstances being, being uh, produced by God? Is he, is he putting them into place? Now, this is a theological can of worms that, as I wrote it down, I'm like, do I, do I really want to ask this question? It is, a, it is a can of worms. And you can, we can talk about it. We can sit down for coffee and, and talk uh, 
look at Scripture and see, see even multiple sides of it, that ultimately my answer is, I'm not sure. I, I, you know what I want to say is no. Is, is, is like I was saying is before, just kind of be, having a preconceived notion and bringing it in. I was like, no, God would never do that to us. No, that's just, you know, that's just the enemy bringing those in. And we need to say, peace be still. But I'm not able, I look at scripture and I see that in, in people like Job, that, that God did bring about that and he was testing him. And so what I want to look, look at is, does God cause the storms in our life? Is, is I don't know. But what I do know is God uses the storms in our life. Like we can, we can go back and forth with that question, did God cause this to me? Or is this a result of sin? Was this a result of, you know, the free will that we have and people making dumb decisions, people making sinful decisions that affects us? And, but, but here's what I believe, you know, we could look at it and say, man, there's purpose in your storm. We're saying, man, did, did God cause this? You stub your toe. Did God cause that? You step on a Lego. Man, did God put that Lego there? Your car breaks down. It's like, was that you or was that God or you just didn't fill your car with oil? You know, like you started going down these questions. My Wi-Fi has been slow all week. Lord, I'm going through a storm. Help me, Jesus. Give me faith to get through this storm. Some of you all need just to, to chillax a little bit and uh, not be so dependent on modern technology. But God uses all these things. You lose your job. Hardship. Painful. Your friend stabs you in the back. Hardship, it's painful. Your spouse cheats on you. That's hardship, that's painful. Does God, I don't know, but God, I wanna let you know that God can use all these things. You have a miscarriage, God can use that. You lose someone you love. I wanna let you know that God can use all those things. I don't know if God causes them or not, and I don't know if it's beneficial to even figure it out. We'll, know on, we'll never know on this side of heaven. That's what, I, that's what I've come to the conclusion of. But I wanna let you know that God can use Every single one of these things. There's purpose in your storm. You see, Romans 8.28 says that, and we know for all, in all these things, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And you see, Joseph got this too at the end, end of his story of account in Genesis chapter 50. He said this, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so I can save the lives of many people. And that's what I believe. We have Joseph's perspective. And if you know his story, he went through a lot of stuff that he didn't, he didn't do to. It was just external circumstances he had no control over that were awful, that were hardship, that were painful. But, but he said, man, some people meant this for evil, but God turned it around and he meant it for good. See, storms in our life have a purpose. And I want to look at three things that, that storms can do, what storms bring about as I look at this passage. Number one is this, storms can cause a spiritual battle. And we have to be aware that it's a spiritual battle, not just an external circumstance. See, the thing we're going through isn't just necessarily a physical thing, but Scripture says it's a spiritual thing. And we need to recognize that it's a battle, not just a storm. See, when I was a teenager, I went to this church, and one day the, the pastor announced that we're starting a dodgeball league as the church, at the church. It was amazing. It was the best Sunday morning announcement I've ever heard in my life. And he said there was a youth pastor, the, the senior pastor, uh, there was a worship guy and a kids pastor, and they all formed four teams. And so I was on the youth pastor team, and there was a kids pastor team, lead pa and, and so there's four teams. And uh, we showed up, and the youth pastor team played the kids pastor team, and the kids pastor team didn't know what was going on. And there was this guy, his name, we called him Deacon Dan. 
and he had this sweet ponytail, and he would sometimes come to the youth group and just had this deep, raspy voice, and he would just share about the scripture sometimes, and he was one of those guys that had his glasses like all the way down here, so you're not sure if you're supposed to be going like this or like this or like I'm over here. And so anyways, he would come up, and he was just so, he would be like, oh, okay, so anything at the church he would show up to. So he showed up to the dodgeball night. And, um, and I don't think he realized, well, he, I think he thought that it was just going to be a fun time of praying and seeking God and, and maybe, maybe having some fun throwing some balls back and forth to each other. But there was this guy on our team who was the, the pitcher of the, college, uh, of the college baseball team. And once we started to say go, the guy was just kind of walking out here, and my friend Brett just threw, threw a bomb and just nailed him in the head, and he looked like this. I want to tell you that I don't think he knew what was coming. He didn't realize that he was in a battle. And I wonder how often we, we are in the middle of a storm and we do not understand that it is actually not just a battle, but a spiritual battle, that we, we have an adversary, we have the enemy and the devil, and that, that the devil is out to take us down. The devil is off to, his, his goal is to take our eyes off of Jesus and to instill fe- fear that takes over our faith. And that's what happened in, in, the midst of, in the midst of the storm. See, Scripture says, I reference this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. And so the storm causes a fight. The storm causes a fight in us that we have to understand that, that, God, that just as God wants us to use this storm for his purpose, the enemy wants to take advantage of the circumstances. He wants the wind to be so loud that you take your eyes off of Jesus. He wants to, he'll, he'll use the anxiety. He wants to give you that anxiety, that confusion and pain so much that you're focused on that and, and that you miss what God's doing. Because whatever he can do to take your eyes off Jesus, we have to, he'll do. But we have to understand it's a battle, not just some circumstances. Because 1 Peter 5, 8, he's, what does it say? It says, be sober-minded and watchful. Be sober-minded. Be watchful for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And sober-minded, you be watchful. We have to be aware that, that the devil wants to use these circumstances to bring us down. We, we have to be aware when we're fighting we're fighting in the circumstances. We're fighting with our boss, and we're like, man, our boss, my, my boss is the devil. And some of you are like, man, amen. We're saying, I'm not, here's, here's the reality. Our boss isn't the devil. There's the real enemy. The, you're, the devil wants you to think that, man, yeah, that's the devil. But really, he's just utilizing the circumstances in your life to take your eyes off Jesus. The real enemy is the devil. We're fighting our spouse when our spouse isn't the enemy. We're getting mad at our circumstances and, and our focus is there when we should just be watchful and alert and seeing, man, I see how the devil wants to use this in my life. I see how the devil's wanting to tear me down, seeking someone to devour, using the circumstances, and realize we need to realize that it's not a physical fight, but it's a spiritual one, and it's won by our authority, just as Jesus spoke and claimed his authority over it. So, spirit, so we need to realize that spiritual that spiritual battles are in the midst of storms, that storms can cause these spiritual battles. And number two, I see that storms can cause deception. I believe this is the number one method that, that uh, the enemy uses in the midst of a spiritual battle. For example, and, and that, that comes from fear. And I, this story I'm about to share with you, I need to preface with 
like you to promise not to make fun of me about it? All right, good. Actually, I don't care. Here's what, here, four years ago, right after we started the church, I remember this. I, I, I may have shared this four years ago, but you all forgot about it. Four years ago, as we were starting the church, I, um, I was home alone with, we only had one kid then, and she was two years old, and she was taking a nap. It was an afternoon. Veronica was out with her friend, and I was making a sandwich in the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, I was making a sandwich in the kitchen, minded my own business, and all of a sudden, the window right next to me in the kitchen just shatters and makes this huge noise. And literally, it scared me so much. Fear came into my, my mind and my heart, and I had to come to a conclusion. I literally dropped to the ground, and here is the conclusion. And see, she already broke her promise. Here's the conclusion that I came to, is that somebody was trying to shoot me. Like the, the, the spies found out that we were starting a church here, and they were coming to take me out. I was like, we found his location. we got to take him out before he starts this church. And they were shooting at me. So I literally dropped to the ground, and I was crawling across my house, over to, and I literally made it into Charlotte's room. And I, grabbed, I woke her up from the nap, and I just grabbed her. And I was leaning, holding onto the bed. And then she looked at me. She saw fear in me, and she started screaming. I started screaming, just holding each other. After a few minutes, I'm like, Okay, I don't think, I think they left. <laughs> We're good now. And, and that's what fear does. Turns out someone just threw a rock at my window. That was also pretty weird. So, like, there wasn't a lot of logical conclusions that I could come to. But the one that I came to was someone was trying to shoot me. See, fear will do that to you. Um, and, and fear causes us to believe things. It throws logic out the window. You know, like the, 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 the disciples were like, We're going to die. It's like, no, no, you're not going to die. We're going to be good. And, and it causes deception. The storms can cause deception in our life because we have to realize the enemy's main strategy is to lie to you. The, the enemy's main strategy, his goal, his whole purpose is to say, hey, can, if I can get you to believe a lie, man, then I've, then I've won. If I can get you to believe a lie, we know that, that the devil is described as the father of lies. And we look at the first account of, of scripture even, and it's Adam and Eve, and his purpose, the devil comes as a serpent, and what does he try to do? And what does he succeed at doing is to instill deception in. He actually just twists what God said, and, he, and his goal was to get Eve to believe a lie. The devil's had years, thousands of years of experience getting people to believe lies. And we have to be watchful, we have to be alert that that's his goal, is to get us to believe a lie. In the midst of storms, the enemy wants to deceive. He wants you to get this, to believe a lie. And here's the deal, storms are loud. Those waves were crashing, and those waves were crashing so loud that it helped, it helped initiate that belief that, you know what, we are going to die. And the storms in our life, in the midst of storms, the, the, the lies of the enemy, that's when the lies our loudest. In the middle of our storms, that's when the lies are screaming and they're most believable because we have that fear come up. When I heard my glass break, I came to this unlogical conclusion. The volume is just the part that was so, so terrifying. It's so loud. And if this is a battle and our opponent is the enemy, I've noticed something about battles that go on. That, that, that yelling is that, that just the noise. Like you look at a dog, they bark. Look at like a lion, they're going to roar. And what is that purpose? What are they trying to do? They're trying to intimidate their opponent 
but they're also, this is, this is insight that I felt God put in my heart, that the, that the reason dogs bark, the reason lions roar in the midst of a fight is to establish dominance and authority and control over their opponent. It's a fight to say, hey, who's loudest? Who's going to be able to prove that they have authority over the other person, that they, have, that they are the dominant one in the fight? And that is exactly what the enemy wants you to believe, is that you are subject to your storm. The enemy wants you to believe that lie that, that you know what, you have to, you have to fall into, you are, this is outside of your control, this is outside of God's control, and you, are, you don't have authority in this situation. But I want to instill in you truth that, that God has given you authority. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in me, that he is in this, that he is in this world. You see, the roar of the storm is the devil attempting to establish dominance over your life. That roar, it's so loud, and, and that's fearful. It's, it's a fear tactic. And if you can get, get you to believe that lie, that, you know what, I'm giving into it. The devil, does have, the devil has the upper hand because he's louder and he's instilling fear in me. Those loud roars when life seems crazy is the enemy wants you to fear so you agree that the storm does have authority. The storm does have dominance over you and you give in. But, but when we have faith, it's, it's a different story. See, if the disciples had faith in this situation, it would be a different story. So in fear, we allow the storms to inform us. We allow our storms to tell us how to live. We allow our storms to tell us how to feel, how to think. And they are the ones informing us what to do. But I believe in faith, we look at our storms and tell them the information. We look at our storms in faith and we inform them what's up. We inform them how it's going to be, how we're going to live and speak to the storms just like Jesus did and say, peace, be still. That was emphasis on saying quiet, be silent. These roars are going to be silent because of the authority I have. And he has given that authority to us as he left this earth. See, the storm says, is raging, saying, you know what, your marriage is over. You've been having so many fights. You have so many issues that your marriage is over. That's what the storm is screaming in the midst of it all. The storm says, you're not going to amount to anything. The storm says, man, you're looking at other people and bet, that are better than you, and which means you have less value as a result. That's what they're screaming. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. You know what the storm also says? The storm says in the midst of it, when you're, when you're worried about a lot of things and you need an outlet, the storm says that sin is worth it. The storm, the man, the enemy's like, hey, you know what? It's worth it. This, that sin, you probably know it's not the right thing to do, but it is worth it. Telling that little lie, looking at a little porn, doing something that you're not supposed to do, doing something that is disobedient to God. The enemy is saying, you know what, it's not going to hurt. It's going to relieve some of your pain. Getting drunk while you're not, will, will, will not provide a healthy escape for you. It's going to only sink you deeper into that mess you've made and into that storm. And so what I feel like God's telling us is to not listen to the lies even though they're the loudest. Because the lies are usually louder than the truth. They're screaming, to, but, but Jesus' voice is calm and subtle. And we have to speak, to the tr- speak truth over the situations in our lives. When we're in the midst of all that, we speak truth to the situations and say, you know what, my marriage isn't over. Man, this sin isn't worth it. And when, when, instead of just being informed by the storm, we need to, in faith, say, hey, this is how it's going to be. This is the truth. And declare God's promises over your situation. 
and say, greater is he that's in the, me than he that is in this world. That, that, the enemy, that, that God has already overcome this world. That John 16, says, Jesus saying, I have said these things to you that in, you, that in me you may have peace. Because in the world you may have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. There's no maybe about it. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And being able to, to look at the worldly circumstances, the external circumstances, and say, hey, you know what? God's got this. And I have faith that God is in control. That's what faith is. Before you see it, looking at a situation and saying, man, this doesn't look like everything's good. But faith is knowing that God is good when it doesn't even look like it, when the storms are raging. So you can calm the storm inside of you by declaring God's promises over you. That goal is from the enemy is using that storm to cause deception. Third thing is this, is storms can cause us to cry out to God. This is a good thing. When I was uh, 11 years old, I stayed at home for the first time in my life. I was playing N64, and I was playing uh, 007. I remember, so, this, so some things stick out in your mind a little bit more. I was playing 007. I was on, it was a, like an afternoon sometime, and I was, on, I was at my house for the first time alone. And my, we actually lived in this big house at the time, and it was old, so it made a lot of crink, uh, it made noises, creaks, squeaks, and, and, and stuff. So, so I came to the conclusion, again, another illogical dis, uh, conclusion based off fear, is after playing a little bit, I stopped and I started hearing these noises. And I came to the logical conclusion that someone was breaking into my, clock and into my house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And so I ran and hid behind the couch. And I remember I was hiding behind the couch, and I, had, I was scared to death, all right? And so I, I didn't really pray. I didn't know how to pray at this time, and we didn't go to church. I wasn't, I guess I kind of believed in God. But this made me really believe in God. You know what I'm talking about. And so I just prayed, God, if you get me out of this place, I'm going to live my life for you. I'll do whatever you need to do. I'll go to church, I promise. And so I was just crying out to God because I was so scared. And so, well, hey, hey, that produced something good in me. I ended up being able to run to the phone, call the cops, and he told me to go to a neighbor's house, and there was no burglar. Um, spoiler alert. But I believe this. Storms can cause us to cry out to God, and sometimes that's part of the purpose, is for us to say, actually, God, I need you. You know, if, if we didn't have storms, we'd kind of go, go through life and be like, hey, actually, God, I got this. Life is pretty good. You know, you can just kind of do your thing, and I'm going to do my thing, and I'll let you know if I need you. But that's not what biblical uh, faith is. That's a continual dependency. So sometimes we go through storms because God wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to depend on him. He wants us to know that he's there, even though it doesn't feel like it. Even though it feels like he's asleep in the boat, he's there. He's present. He will never leave you. And we need to rely on him. We need to cry out to him. And we need to depend on him like it's everything. The last thing is this. If the keys want to come back, storms can cause a revelation of who God is. And this is the most powerful thing about this passage because it, it creates in us a deeper understanding of who God is. See, I look at the end of the passage and I see the disciples just going, they're in fear, but it wasn't this fear as they were fearing the waves. It was a reverent fear that we talk about and look in scripture that he calls us to fear God. We're supposed to fear God and that's kind of hard to understand. How can we fear something we love? But he says it's, it's a reverent, it's a respect, and it's an awe of who God is. And realizing that he can speak to the waves and tell them to stop and they listen. See, a deeper understanding comes from the midst of the storm, realizing how great God is. 
how powerful God is, how God is actually in control, how he created things. He created everything. And we need to call out to him because otherwise, without the storms, do we even need God? Without the storms, is there any opportunity for God to move? And in the midst of the storms, that's where God moves the most and shows us a revelation in the midst of it all. When we have a deeper revelation and see God move, it gives us peace and it changes everything. Some of us need to come to that revelation that God is in control. Because right now you're looking at your storm and be like, no, I got to fix this. I got to fix Somehow I can do this on my own. But you haven't called out to God and you haven't given that over to God. And as a result, if you miss this, you're not going to understand God more. You're not going to grow from the process. The only thing you're going to be is hurt and wounded from this storm. So if you want to go through a storm and come out better on the other side, you need faith to overcome the fear. You need faith to say, I'm seeing God, and I see that he can do it, and I'm going to call out to him, and I want to see God move in this situation. Some of us need to come to the revelation that God is with you in the midst of the storm. See, I can look back at, at times in my life that I've had storms, external circumstances that I didn't really feel like I had control of. And they cause more internal. Like I said, it was all internal. That's, the, that's where the real storm is. That's where this applies to is our inter, maybe our external circumstances cause the internal circumstance, the internal storm. And God's more concerned about the internal. And so this, this experience, it was a day of ministry and it was a, it was a low point of ministry for me. If you know anything about pastors, that, that it, it has a lot of challenges. And it was, it was this day of ministry where after a service, I just felt, I was incredibly discouraged. I was just overwhelmed with discouragement and I felt like the waves were roaring and the enemy was causing me to, to have deception. The enemy was yelling in my ear to have these, to, have, to believe these lies. And the lies were about my identity. The lies was about, man, if people don't show up, then that means I have less value. That means I'm not very good. That means, and I, you start to conclude these things that are illogical. But I remember this moment after a day of ministry, after a service, I went into the bathroom and I cried. And I remember feeling this overwhelming anxiety because the enemy was lying to me. And I actually remember, because it's an exhausting process sometimes in the midst of a storm, just shutting out the lies. It's sometimes an exhausting process to say, you know what, enemy, I'm not going to listen to this lie. I'm going to declare your promise. It's exhausting. And I remember saying, although I'm not proud of it, I remember saying, I give in. I guess this is truth. And I had this, this, this dark moment of my life where I, my identity was rooted in success. My identity was rooted in the world's success where, man, is, is this church growing? Is this youth ministry growing? Is, are, th are things happening? And, and my identity was attached to my ability. And that is a lie that the enemy wants to, to, to tell us as well. But he was speaking that to me at the time. So strong. He was yelling it at me. And I finally said, fine, I'll agree. And then everything, you could ask my friends in that moment, I, I was a different person for about a week. Usually I do have this joy, but I had given in and I, I just was not the same person I was. I had, I just, I just I would, my head was hung low and I had this incredible discouragement and I, and I felt lost and deceived, which I was, and I was confused and anxiety and pain. But that led me to the ultimate truth. 
I called out to God and I was like, God, I don't want to live like this. And he reminded me of this truth that changed everything that I still hold on today that is a simple truth but is the most powerful truth in that, that you can hold on to is that your security, that your value, that my value, my identity, my security is rooted in Jesus. And the enemy cannot take that away. He can take everything from me. He can take everything I have. But he cannot take my security I have in Jesus Christ. And I tell that to the enemy all the time. I say, you know what, devil? You could take everything from me, everything I have, but you cannot take my security in Jesus, and that is what makes me whole. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else, but I have my security in Jesus, and as I've said that, I've put my, my stake in the ground and said, this is who I am, and I'm made alive in Christ, and I'm made complete in Christ. I've been able to get through every storm the enemy's tried to throw at me. Because after I say that, he's like, man, I got nothing on this guy. He still tries to attack me. He still goes through storms. And there's still a lot of hardship that makes me question things. But I come back to that truth. And I, and I realize that's what happened. It was a revelation that, man, my security is found only in Jesus. And that's the revelation that we need to find. I wouldn't be able to find that truth if it wasn't going through the storm. And that's why there's purpose in your storm. So I want to pray for us today. Some of us are going through the midst of this storm. We've been asking why. We've been asking, man, this doesn't make sense. We've been asking all these things. And I believe there's going to be a freedom that is lifted, a revelation that is going to happen in your life where you've been maybe you've been believing a lie, but, but the Lord wants to, to remind you of a truth that reprimands that, that lie. So I want, to, I want us to bow our heads in this place. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Let there be freedom in this place. Those that have been going through a storm right now, God, let there be freedom in this place. Let you reign and, and that we would grab a hold tightly to your truth. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and you're saying, you know what, this message is for me. I need prayer right now. I need, I need to grab a hold. There's The enemy has been lying to me and lying to me and I've been, been confused and in pain about these things that are going on, and I need truth. I need to grab on to the truth of Jesus. This message is for me. Would you just raise your hand on the count of three with no one looking around? One, two, three. Just put it up nice and proud. Thank you so much. Hands going across all this place. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. And secondly, if you're here and you're saying, man, I actually don't know Jesus, I don't have a personal relationship with him, and you want to start that process, or maybe you've walked away and you need to come back to knowing Jesus and having a personal relationship with him. You don't have to go fix your life and get your life in order before you come to him. He's ready and says, come as you are because I've, I'm, I'm here to forgive you. I'm not here to, to, to make you look good. I'm concerned about the inside. I'm concerned about healing your heart. And that's what, that's what he is, says, come as you are. So if that's you and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand nice and bold so I can know who I'm praying for? One, two, three, just put it up real quick. And you can put it right back down. Amen. I want us to stand across this place, and I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me because I believe there's power in our words, power in our prayer, power in speaking to our situations. So I'm not saying you for you to say empty words. I'm asking you to pray, leading you in a prayer to God. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I trust you, and I ask for your strength in the midst of storms. I surrender my life. I give you my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. And I want you to speak to me. Give me your truth. 
Help me to notice the enemy's lies. I love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up. Uh, we're gonna sing us sing that last song and just lead in prayer. I'm gonna jump down here. If you wanna just sing this song out and just let this be a declaration that God is good, uh, a declaration that God is in the midst of everything. But our prayer team's gonna be up here. And I wanna challenge, if you raise your hand, you man, I need, I need help. We, this is what this is what church is about, is community. You could listen to a sermon online, but you can't, you can't have community and being able to pray for someone right there with you. So our prayer team's up here as we sing this song just for you to come and find one of us up here. Let's this sing word this. encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.